if you believe God can bring breakthrough. Come on, let's shout to the Lord. Give him your best shout right now. There's a victory in a shout sometimes. Lord, we shout unto you. I don't know what wall you're facing. I don't know what ocean you're standing up next to, but God is able to part the seas and bring down the walls of Jericho. Come on, sometimes you're just talking about it and talking about it and talking about it, but God's just saying, get silent for a moment. They circled Jericho and they got silent, but then on that last day, he said, I want you to circle it and then I want you to shout. Some of you today is just a day of shouting to see breakthrough come. Come on, there's a, there's a presence of God in your praise. When we put our hands in the air and we worship and raise our hands up, it's a posture of surrender and a posture of victory. I promise you, it's hard sometimes to shout victory over your circumstance because you don't feel victorious. It's hard to, to declare praise and victory over a circumstance that you've been banging your head up against forever. But I'm telling you, it's called faith. Even when you don't see it, you, you begin to release it over your life. That's why we come in here. There's an atmosphere of victory and breakthrough today. You release some things over your life, shouting unto God, worshiping unto God. And all of a sudden it begins to surround your life and your marriage and your worship and your ministry and your business and your kids in a different way. Come on, some of y'all need breakthrough today. Some of y'all just need God to bring some walls down and you've been silent about it maybe it's time to shout about it a little bit sometimes just declaring victory and getting angry with that with that battle come on just for a second come on whatever breakthrough you need I'm telling you it's in this place if you'll be willing to shout a little bit and open up your mouth a little bit surrender come on he fills the praises of his people right come on when you praise and shout victory he shows up in your in your praise he fills your praise with his presence he brings breakthrough right now. Come on, every wall has to come down. Walls around your marriage, we declare victory to. Walls around your kids, we declare have to come down. Walls of depression have to come down. Walls of suicide. Walls of debt have to come down. Walls of negativity have to come down. Come on, we declare victory. We're believers. Come on, we're believers. We're believers. We're not doubters, we're believers. We have a posture of belief, a posture of victory, a posture of breakthrough. Come on, mighty Jesus. dealing with it for 15 years I know I know you've put all your 
all your eggs in one basket. You put everything in that, all your hopes and dreams in that thing. Come on, he's the God of the breakthrough. I know it seems like nothing's been moving, but come on, as you're worshiping today, I promise you heaven and hell are moving. Come on, come on, heaven and hell are moving. We believe that the best is yet to come. Give God one more shout of praise this morning. If you believe he can actually bring breakthrough in your life. Man, it is, it is a powerful environment of breakthrough today. I just pray for your life and for breakthrough. And that I just, I just want you to declare as you grab your seat today and you, you, you welcome somebody to church and just you stay in this atmosphere for a minute. Look at somebody just for a moment and just say, come on, we're believers. Look at the other person and say, I don't doubt you. Come on, Transformation Church. Good morning. Y'all believe for breakthrough in your life this morning? Labor Day weekend. Isn't it good that we don't have to labor for breakthrough? We just have to worship? Come on. He's the one that gives us breakthrough. I, I said it. I, I just, there's a little verse in, in Isaiah. It's an interesting verse. And I just want to encourage some of you with worship and how we go about worshiping here. We are an expressive community. You might be new to this. And uh, I just, I think that it's very biblical to be expressive in your worship. And uh, you'll go to a lot of places that aren't. And I, I get it. And um, I just think, though, that in the kingdom of God, it's, it's a very expressive kingdom. And um, when we say that we're not going to be expressive with our faith that way, I know some of us aren't as comfortable with that, but we do it in other environments at games and at, at UT games and at different, you know, whatever, whatever sport you enjoy or concert. Come on, you, you go to your concerts and you raise your lighters in the air. You're like, I don't want to put my hands in the air at church. I'm embarrassed. Well, at the concerts, you raise your hands in the air with your lighters. You got whole stadiums, right? And, uh, and here, here's this verse in Isaiah. It says, and the government shall be upon his shoulders of which there shall be no decrease. And it's called, it's, it's called the weight shift, really, getting the government on his shoulders. Some of you have the government of your life on your shoulders. And so it's so heavy. And in, I don't know if you're a golfer. I love golf. The game of golf is played on the left side of the ball. Many of you who play golf who aren't very good at golf, uh, you play on the right side of the ball. All amateurs play on the right side of the ball, meaning this, that if, you go to, if you're a right-handed golfer, if you go to hit the golf ball, uh, counterintuitively, you think that you have to kind of help the ball get in the air. And so you lean back and try to, and you don't shift your weight and it's on the right side and the ball doesn't go anywhere. But, but pro golfers, 99% of them, well, really 100% of them play pro, who play pro golf, they have something called the weight shift. So you put your weight here, kind of about 60% on the back at this point, and then there's a weight shift, and the weight goes forward onto this leg, and then you compress the ball, and the ball flies how you'd like it to fly. It's counterintuitive because you're hitting down to make the ball go up because there's an angle of degree on the club. In the kingdom of God, there has to be a weight shift. A weight shift from the worry and the things you carry and the, and the heaviness of life. And worship is that weight shift. Praise is that weight shift. Prayer is that weight shift. And so that's why we kind of do what we do is to kind of shift the weight onto God's shoulders. And the Bible says of that government, there is no decrease. Of our own government, when we run our own life, it decreases and decreases. And then we try to control it more and, and increase it ourselves. And But when we put it in God's hands, when we come in an environment like this and worship together and re surrender together and really, really release it through shouts of praise and worship and verbalizing and expressive worship, it begins to shift the weight onto Jesus Christ and his government. I think that's worthy of saying yes and amen to. Come on, give God a shout of praise if you believe that he actually will take the weight of your life on. Uh, it is good to be in church today with you guys. We got uh, some cool stuff happening. First service, we had about four people give their life to Christ. That was amazing. Come on, last week we had like 15 people say yes to eternity. 
And so thank you every week, man, people saying yes to God and yes to eternity. And that's, come on, all of you guys are a part of that. And um, it's amazing to see that happening. Uh, we have Next Steps today over at 12 at our cafe. So if you're new to our community and want to find out a little bit more about our vision and values, we'd love you to have Next Steps or take a part in Next Steps. We've got child care for you and lunch for you at noon. And so you can jump into that. And then um, yesterday, I just want to say thank you. You saw that we fed the police department and... Um, I know there's a lot of controversy going on right now in every city and across every, all the nation. And uh, what I'd like to say is this. We as the church of, of, of God, of Jesus, Jesus followers, um, we're called to be stuck in the middle. And what does that necessarily mean? That means that when Jesus was on the cross, he was in between a thief on one side and a guy that got saved on the other side, and he was stuck in the middle. And he didn't take sides. He got stuck as a bridge of hope and a bridge of love and a bridge of life. Uh, so often the church, we've taken so many sides and so many issues. And I, I, need, I really have got to prepare you as your pastor. All hell's going to break out in the next year and a half in this next election. I mean, it's going to be a nightmare in our, in our nation, okay? And so, and so I'm just asking you, like, rev down your social, you know, social platform engines and just calm down, okay? Like, like it, it, we don't, we're not called to, to uh, all, we all have different views and different beliefs, but the greatest belief is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, rose from the dead on the third day, and is coming back for his church one day. Paid for all sin, for all time, past, present, and future. And so I just, some of y'all are like just social media giants and you want to beat everybody with your issues and declare, you can't, it's called social media because it's supposed to be socializing. Most people hate y'all because of your social media. It ain't social. And I think sometimes, look, I'm not saying we don't have belief systems, but, but when we went and served that police department yesterday, there's a lot of divide in our, in our, in our city right now. And, and we, whether, whether it's right or wrong or who's right and who's wrong, we're called to be the bridge to every community and to be the voice and the love and the hope of God. Does that make sense? And so I just want to say thank you for being that church and um, your generosity. We took on eight home games to feed 200 police officers every home game. They don't believe we're going to show up next week. They're like, they ain't coming next week. Like, this was amazing, but they ain't coming back because the ball's been dropped on them over and over. And so we're coming back. It's about 1000 to $2,000 per game to feed them. And so thank you for your generosity that we can cut a $15,000 check out of our missions. And not, I'm not asking you for money. You're coming back and saying, hey, we got to feed the officers. Can we get money? Your generosity paves the way for us to do this in the city and to love people. So I just want to say thank you for your heart. <clears throat> Next week, we start a new series called Won't Conform. And uh, I think it's going to be a powerful series for this fall season. And uh, I think sometimes we've conformed. The church has tried to conform to the culture. And uh, I think our methods change, but our message never does. And so a lot of churches are changing their message to fit in. And then they get mad at people like us with different methods and go, well, look at them. He's in a, in a, in a jacket with holes in his jeans. And, you know, it's just methods, right? And so it's just style, whatever. It's methods change. Um, but, but, but the message doesn't. And so we're going to look at that in this series uh, called Won't Conform. We're going to have some new merch dropping next week, Won't Conform, some cool stuff. And so y'all can get a hold of some of that. And uh, it's going to be a great series. We're starting or ending our Tangled series uh, today. Uh, last week, we looked at certain things and sins and, and weights that we want to drop aside to get untangled. The whole thought of this series, if you're new to it, has been just, there's so many things in our culture that just want to bring chaos into our heart and like more, 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 more is better. And, and social media 
media and then the platforms and the chaos and the apps and how and, and everything that comes at us. We're, we're more suicides on the rise, confusions on the rise. There's more apps to make our life easier and our lives are more busy and complex. And so I, I just think sometimes we just need to cut some things out of our life. And this series has been like talking about cutting some stuff, whether it's hurt or bitterness or, or, or a, a love for money or a love for stuff or whatever it might be, cutting some of these things and going, okay, God, I need you to prune some stuff out of my heart and out of my life. So today I want to paint a picture uh, about four thoughts on just what it looks like, what a life can look like being pruned and having some stuff actually taken out of our life. I know for me on social media, I said at first service, I, I got rid of Facebook. And I'm not here on some kind of issue for you to get rid of Facebook. I'm so, I'm, I'm happier man. Can I tell you that? Because I just, I mean, some of the stuff y'all say, I don't want to read. You know, I'm like, oh man, I'm depressed now. You know, but, but I, I think like for, for me, I've got, I do Instagram, right? I mean, how many social medias do we need? You know, so maybe it's just that for you. Maybe it's just cutting one platform for you and then just saying, okay, but our life is, is so inundated. And so Paul, we're going to look at him in the book of Acts. And uh, Paul's life was inundated with religion and, and anger. And he was trying to be tradition and follow all the rules and the religion. And he was killing Christians and he was an enemy of the church. And then he meets Jesus and he has this radical transformation and he begins to serve God and take his grace around the planet. And uh, in Acts chapter 20, he's close to the end of his life. Acts was written by the, by the Dr. Luke and, the, and, and Luke had did an account of what the Holy Spirit was doing in the churches. And so Paul's being used by the Holy Spirit to plant churches. And he, he's, he's in Ephesus. He's been there three years in Acts 20. Three full years. The longest that Paul was ever in one location. Paul moved and would plant and move and apostolically move. But he was more pastor, uh, pastoral in Ephesus for about three years. And uh, he's working and serving and giving his life. And then he has to leave. And he has his heart to go to Jerusalem. And uh, they warn him, don't go. You're going to be killed. You're going to be put in chains. You're going to be put in prison. Don't go. And he says, here's his response to the prophets and his friends that say don't go acts 22 uh, through 24 acts chapter 20 it says and see now i go bound in the spirit to jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me there he's like uncertainty doesn't move me Uh, except that the holy spirit testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations await me come on safety and security doesn't move me but none of these things move me nor do i count my life dear to myself selfishness doesn't move me so that i may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Come on, setbacks don't move me. Nothing moves me. Here's Paul saying, come on, I know my purpose. I've set my finish line. I'm sure about what it is. None of this stuff's going to move me. I will not be moved from my purpose. And I, I would just say this to you. If there's anything in your life that moves you away from your purpose, you should prune it from your presence. Like that, like this isn't getting me closer to the finish line of my life. This isn't getting me closer to the goal line. Like I want to prune this. And so that's what Paul does. He decides like nothing matters. Nothing matters unless I finish my race. My life means nothing to me unless I finish. And my title for today is simple. It's called Photobomb. Photobomb. Come on. Everybody's heard of that, right? Photobomb. Uh, There's a definition I think on the screen for you. Here's the definition of photobomb. A photograph that has been spoiled by the unexpected appearance of an unintended subject in the camera's field of view as the picture was taken. Come on, anybody ever been photobombed? Raise your hand. Anybody, who's the, any photobombers in here? Come on, there's more photobombers than photobombees in here. And uh, this thought is what gets in the picture of our life. I got some examples for you of what a photobomb looks like. I think of several pictures. Check out some of these photobombs real quick. Here's the first one. That is... 
a messed up senior picture. Like, did you not notice? Like, that's romantic. Look at that romance. <laughs> it's a photo on. This is my favorite. Come on, there ain't no gold at the end of that rainbow. <laughs> we like to have fun in church too. Come on, somebody. It, it, here's, here's the thought. Like, like what's in the background of your life matters. What's in the background of your picture matters. You know, sometimes we just let anything photobomb our life and get into our life. What's in the picture of your life matters. I'm a terrible photographer. I never could understand why. I don't, I take pictures. The people go on trips with me, they take pictures and they're amazing. My pictures are terrible. And I began to look up uh, principles of photography online. And this is why I found out my pictures are so bad. It's because I don't understand how to get the right background in my picture. Backgrounds, everything. This is what the professionals say. Professional photographers say that a great subject requires a great background. Very often we focus exclusively on the elements we are most interested in, which is what our eyes are seeing. So when we photograph, if we don't make an effort to consider all the other elements that make up the scene, we risk including something that will ruin the final result. Come on, this will preach somebody right out of Google. It says the background is of fundamental importance to the composition of the image emphasizing the subject, improving the photography. Or if not adequate, it may cause irreparable damage to the image, making it chaotic. Like some of us have things in the background of our picture. We're allowing photobombs into our picture, and it's so chaotic that that the picture is actually being ruined, like what we're trying to present. How to avoid taking the wrong backgrounds. Before each shot, you should examine the entire scene and make sure that nothing in the background can have a negative impact on the photo. It's so simple thinking about photography, but think about that bar you always go to in the background or that relationship you keep running back to in the background or that girlfriend or boyfriend that you know you shouldn't be calling or that that emotional disorder that you keep going to or that help that you haven't gotten. And it's in the background of our life. We're trying to present this one image of a picture, but we won't deal with what's in the background photobombing our life. It's important to have in mind what you want to communicate with the photo What matters is that the element placed in the background also contributes significantly to the balance of the image, interacting with the subject of the photo. This is my life. This is your life. What's in the background matters. Number one, you can write this down. The background of your life will determine the power of your purpose. Whatever's in the background of your life will determine how powerful your purpose is. You say, well, no, God determines the power of my purpose. Not if you fill your background with everything that shouldn't be in it. You, you can put all the wrong things in the background of a photo and the photo doesn't have as a powerful impact or doesn't impact, the subject doesn't impact if it has the wrong background. I got some pictures that I took from Cuba that are really bad pictures. If you want the right background or the right picture, you have to have the right background. Check out my pictures from Cuba and I'll show you some good pictures. There's one of my pictures. Look at that. Look at that background. That speaks volumes. That's a, there's, that's a terrible, look, I took a picture of a guy taking a picture. I don't even know it. Like that's a, it's a build. It's not even a good, a good picture. It's people and then this weird building. I do this all the time. There's a, I wanted to, like I, we were going to the beach. I wanted to get like no chicken bones on the beach, no chicken legs, but it, it means no food. But I was thinking like how, that was a weird sign to say no food on the beach, no chicken legs. There's a picture of, there's my, one of my pictures I took of a castle. Look at that. That's, that's concrete walls. It's a moat. It's not even, now look at a, the good picture of this picture. Look at the background. That's the same picture from a different perspective with a different background. Look at some of the other pictures from from Cuba, our trip. Look at that. I mean, it's a wing. Who cares? 
I could have taken that picture from the ground at the, at the runway, but like, look, why is it so good? It's the background. It's communicating something totally different from the background. It's a blue bus, but it's a beautiful picture. It's, it tells a lot. Like, we're in an old-timey bus. People getting on, it's packed, and there's this, there's this there, here's, here's what's so important. Stay on this for a minute. If you look, the subject is the bus, but the background gives you breathing space. It gives your eye a, a chance to relax. It gives you a, an ability not to be chaotic in the vision of the picture, and so the picture has more, more power. The purpose of the picture is more powerful. Look at the next picture, and this is a, this is a cool one. I took the same picture. It was horrible. I can't even show you. It was terrible. The background, there's still stuff in it, but it's communicating different. It, it's so important for you and I to get the right background in our life. How cluttered is your background? Just think about this. Who's photobombing your life right now? What do you need to cut out? What chaos is there? What noise is there? Is there any room to breathe? Is there any relaxation for your eye? Is there any, any margin in things to give you the ability to say, okay, this is what my life is communicating? There's something in art called negative space. Any artist in here, it's very important. In art, it's called negative space. Look at this picture of a vase. The vase has negative space. And so if you look at both pictures here, the negative space is what gives the, the art piece or the picture its outline and boundary. So what's not there determines what is there. Is it a vase or is it a face? It's both, right? And look at the picture with the, with the, with the white vase there. That what's not there tells us what is there. What's not in the background of your life, what's not in your life, it paints the border and boundary for what is in your life. And so if you want your life to have power and meaning and be purposeful with that power, then you got to begin to decide, okay, what is the border of my life? What are, what's the margin? What's the background and boundary for my life? Here's some verses on that. Paul said it in Philippians 3, 7 through 11. He said this, but what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet I indeed also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish. The word rubbish is dog dung or dog poo or dog crap. Three translations right there. In the Greek. No, I'm just kidding. Paul says it's all rubbish. Listen to this. That I may gain Christ... And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, which is from the law, but which is through Christ, the righteousness which is from God, that I may know the power of his resurrection. He's saying that I have cut things. I have allowed God to remove things. I have defined my life in the border so that I might have a more powerful purpose in my life. As soon as you begin to get some, some things in your background right, it begins to determine the power of your life. I don't want rubbish in the background. I, I want to consider some things lost. Here's what I just would ask you before I go to the next thought. What clutter needs to be cut out so that you can have a clearer picture of Christ? I'm asking myself the same thing. Like, what clutter in my life? What do I, Jamie, what do I need to cut out? Like, what does it need to be that I can have a clearer picture of Christ's power? Number two, when you define your background, you can begin to take ground. When you define your background, you can begin to take ground. Editing in and anything is essential to be creative. If there's any creatives in here, you know that editing out is so important. For our staff, and whenever we try to take ground or do an event, Chris is very creative. When we, when we meet around things with our team, I say, hey, don't marry any idea. Don't get married to your idea. The best idea wins. And we put 100 ideas on the board, and then we begin to cut and edit and cut and edit until we get everything cut out that needs to cut out. We can't take ground. When we get to the place where everything's cut out that needs cut out, now we go, okay, we've got a good event. We've got a good thing. We've got something that's strong. We can put this out there and take some ground with it. 
There's a French writer, he said this, that it's not perfection. Perfection is when everything that can be taken away has been taken away and there's nothing left to take away. That's perfection. A lot of you are looking what to add to your life to make it better. What app, what relationship, what boyfriend, what girlfriend, what business strategy, what marketing strategy, what more to say, what not to say. You're looking at what more to add and God's saying, no, 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 no. If you just take some things away, it would begin to define who you are in the picture of your life. Say, I want to narrow some things down and clarify the background of my life. Paul did it. It's an amazing thought with Paul right after he says, I count everything lost. This is in the scriptures. He goes, I count it all lost that I may gain the power of Christ. I can have power in my purpose. I get my background clear. And then he says this in verse 12, not that I have already attained it or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press towards the goal. Some of you can't press towards the goal of God because there's too much stuff photobombing your life. There's too much stuff that you know that is clutter and chaos in your background. You haven't defined the background. It's still blurry. My kids sometimes, they'll take my phone and take a thousand pictures without me, without me knowing it. And I'm not very tech savvy, so, so I have to delete them one at a time. I don't know. You know, some days it just won't let you have the option to click all the bubbles. I just don't get it. Some guy can help me, okay? I know. But I've got to go in the camera roll and begin to delete because there's these blurry photos that mean nothing. And some of you need to go in the camera roll of your life and begin to bring definition to who's in there and what the pictures are. I would tell you when it comes to relationships, either define it or delete it. That right there, that's, that's for somebody right here today, that you need to either define it or delete it. Because the things that suck most of our energy are the ones with no definition. We know our enemies, they don't, take our, they don't take our thought. We know they're in. We know our friends, but it's the things in our life that we're not quite sure what it is or why it's there. Like, like make sure you begin to define or delete. There's some things that are photobombing you. You need to get some clarity. You need to get some boundary. You need to say, okay, get out of my picture. Just, here's what we do for a second. Just say, just, just look at somebody. No one look at anybody. Just look and say out loud, get out of my picture. Don't look at your spouse. Whatever it is, put that in your mind and say, get out of my picture. They asked Steve Jobs how he was so creative. He said, I say a thousand no's to a thousand different things. The Nike CEO went to him and said, how do I make Nike better? Years ago when Steve was alive, he said, how do I make Nike better? And Steve Jobs said, well, you make a lot of amazing shoes in your company. And he'd just taken the company over. The Nike CEO, he said, you make a lot of amazing stuff, stuff that's such good quality, it deserves to be in museums. He says, but then you also make a lot of junk. And he said, stop making the junk. That's good advice for us today. Like, there's a lot of amazing things in our life. Let's just decide to stop making the junk. Like, if we, let's define the border. Let's, let's define the negative space. Let's get out. If you're trying a new diet, then get the food out of your background that needs to be out. If you're trying a new relationship, get the negativity out of your background. Come on, if, you're, if you, you can't take negativity to a new season, be positive. You're either negative or positive, right? And so we're, we're, we're people that are going to say, okay, this isn't going to be in the background of my life. It's not self-help. It's like asking the Holy Spirit, what needs to breathe in my background so I can take ground? What needs to breathe in your background? What do you need to say, okay, I need some breathing room in my background? Number three, it's about people, not possessions. Is this helping anybody today? It's about people, not possessions. In our culture... So many times it's about stuff, 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 more stuff, more stuff, more stuff. It's easy to want more stuff. 
And uh, you, it's so important for you to have the right people around you and the wrong people not around you. Does that make sense? Uh, I think Paul, Paul had to do it. He cut away stuff and he learned what it meant to live on enough and not enough. He says it in Philippians chapter 4 and he had people that came and went out of his life. He says this in Philippians 4, not that I speak in regard to need for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to abide, how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I've learned to be full and to be hungry. Listen, stuff's not bad. Paul's saying, I know how to have a bunch of stuff. Also know how to live when I don't have it. I'm, I'm okay in all things. Christ gives me strength in all things. Here's the things about stuff. It's okay to have stuff if stuff doesn't have you. God can put things in your hand if the things don't own your heart. And, but we're in a culture where, man, we're tight-fisted. Like, how? what can't you live without? Like, in my life, I had a, one of my favorite, about a, a year ago, I bought the best car I've ever had. I loved it with all my heart. It was, a, it was a fast car, 550 horsepowers, twin turbo, zero to 60 in four seconds. Come on, somebody. I mean, it was, it was bad. My wife thought it looked like a drug dealer's car, blacked out windows, black rims. I told her I was getting a little SUV. I came, she's like, that ain't no mom, that ain't no SUV, honey. It, it, was, it was a used, had 60,000 miles on it. Uh, so I got a great deal, uh, ML63 Mercedes AMG model, okay? Somebody don't judge me, okay? I don't judge you. I got a good deal on it, okay? Leave me alone. My wife hated it. This is my, fa- I lo- my wife drove a white pilot, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit started messing with me. My wife started messing with me. It wasn't in that order. And uh, <laughs> I just, just felt like... I was like, all right, I started praying about it. And the Lord's like, I want you to trade that in and get your wife a car. Trade that in and get her something nice. Find an even trade somewhere and get her something. And I was like, all right, I'm not bragging on myself. I'm talking, because I'm still angry, okay? I'm still bitter. Y'all gonna hear that? I lost the reward. I'm, I'm bragging, you know, this ain't no, this is confessional, not bragging. And uh, I got her this little, this little SUV, traded it in, got her a nice little SUV. And uh, I took the white Honda Pilot. Do, do, do you know how hard it is to go from getting out of an AMG ML63 twin turbo, zero to 60, going 140 on I-40 if you want to? Do you know how hard it is to get out of that and then climb out of a pilot somewhere? Listen, I love pilots. I'm with you. We're all in it together. Look, I, there's no, but, but I'm just saying to you, like, it's easy for stuff to have you. And what are we so tight-fisted on? What do we have to have, right? Right, My, it's just, in this culture, like, it's about, people, not possessions. Write this down. The wrong people can ruin the right things. I had a buddy in Bible school, was a friend of ours named Carlos. He, he had all this money and he would always shop at Nordstrom's and go to the most expensive nas- restaurants. And I wanted all that because I'd be around him. And he, it turned out he was running up his dad's credit card without his dad even knowing. And like, we were trying to keep up and get with him and get things that he had. And he was faking it too. I think sometimes we just say, okay, get the right people around you that are going for the right finish line. And then all of a sudden your background begins to be different, right? The people in our life. And the wrong people. Let me just give you an illustration real quick. I don't have a lot of time today because y'all took up all my time. <laughs> Seth, would you, would you come here with me real quick? Just stand right here. Just look at the power of this. We, sometimes as believers, we think we're going to get people who are down here in a certain level of their life and we're going to bring them up into the things of God. Do, do you know how hard? No, 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 don't, don't help me. Like, like, act like, you know, you're not one to come up here. Like, for me to try to pull him up here, I mean, there's no way I'm going to get him up here. 
right? I mean, if you try to pull me, you, I'm going to try to pull you up. You try to pull me down. I mean, it's going to be a lot easier for him to pull me down than me to pull him up. We think, well, I'm just witnessing in that dating relationship. I'm just going to get them saved. No, you're not. You're going to fall in bed. Well, I, I'm just going to get purity into their life and talk about, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're gonna, well, I'm just staying holy and I'm going to reach them. No, you're not. But give me about three or four other guys that are believers up here. Come on, guys. Some of y'all, come up here. Uh, I don't know. Isaac, come here. You're strong. Come here, come here Dylan. Come here. Uh, what, what happens if we get some, some other believers around us? Alan, what if we get some men? Or, come up here on stage with me. What if we're up here in a connect group? What if we're up here connected in relationships? No, Seth, you're still down here in the world <laughs> serving the devil. Let's grab his arms. What happens if we all begin to decide to pull him up here and get him up on stage? And he might not want to go, but we pull him up into the things of God. And thank you, guys. Come on, y'all can grab a seat. It, it, it's, it's so important who you have around you and who's in the background of your life. Paul, Paul had, had Barnabas. Barnabas left in a season eventually. You know, Paul had John Mark. He left eventually. Paul had Demas. Demas went for the things of the world other than God. You know, everybody's not meant to be in your picture. And, and today, God might be saying, you need to clarify the background. The last thought, number four, is this. God's multiplication process is subtraction. Subtraction is God's multiplication process. Some of you are so concerned about holding on to what you have and what God might want to take out of you. I'm preaching a message to you right now, and you're like, there's no way I can get out of that relationship. There's no way I can cut off that habit. There's no way I can give away that car. There's no way I can. And you're holding on. And the thing is, God's trying to get something from his heart into your hand. But if your hand's full, he can't get it in his heart to your hand because your hand is full of what you think that you have to hold on to so tightly. And if you want it to get from God's heart to your hand, you have to let go of what's in your hand and put it in the ground. It's called kingdom. It's called seed. It's called a sacrifice. And if the, if the seed is in your hand so tightly, it can't grow unless it's in the ground. And so, yes, there's a season of sacrifice. Yes, there's a season of pruning. But if you're not pruned, then our life becomes pointless. Pruning is painful, but I'd rather be in pain than pointless. A tree without fruit is pointless. A Christian without purpose is pointless. And so God's cutting some things out of my life and out of your life. And it's subtraction. But I'm here to tell you there's actually multiplication in that. I'm not going to go back into the verse, but Paul says it in the message version. He says, I'm going to Jerusalem. I've got to go. And he says, he says I've, I'm saying goodbye. What do you have to say goodbye to today to step into the purposes of God? Here's the thing. Last week we talked about sins and issues. When Paul said, I'm saying goodbye... He was in Ephesus for a three-year season. God was moving. He was pouring in. He was pastoring. He was loving them. And there was this amazing season. Sometimes we think it's sin that holds us back, but it's not necessarily certain sins that hold us back. Sometimes it's certain seasons that hold us back. And some of you are hating the season you're in right now, but you've never let go of the last season, so you're not fully present in, the, in this season. And so until you let go of the last marriage... The one you're in right now is not going to be better. Until you let go of the last failure, the success that you're trying for right now is not going to be better. Until you let go of what God's telling you to say goodbye to, until you quit holding so tightly and let God cut some things from your life. I'm going to tell you one last story. I'm a little bit over time. and If you stand with me real quick, I want to end with this story. I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I think sometimes we... 
It could be a season of, of glory days that you're holding on to. It could be a season of, of success you're holding on to. And you're, you've moved to a new city. You're in Knoxville. You're in a new church. I have people tell me all the time, we had to move. We left our church. I've been coming to church here. But it really wasn't my church because I was still connected to the last church and I couldn't get my... It's, it's a season sometimes that holds us back from the season God wants for us now. And God's just saying, come on, prune the background. Don't let things photobomb your life any longer. In 1973, the company called Federal Express started. It was a great company named Federal Express. Many of you heard of it. Well, people started saying, hey, FedEx that to me. FedEx that to me. The company's name was not FedEx. It was named Federal Express. But the public, the general public in our nation actually changed the name of the company and led so, so much uh, momentum. For the company changed the name from FedEx to Federal Express. And in 1994, they were trying to find a logo for Federal Express. The word, it became a verb, FedEx it. And so Fred Smith, the CEO of the company, was in Memphis at the headquarters and they've got five firms. They've narrowed down from 200 logos to five logos. And, and the logos were being presented and this logo finally came up, the FedEx logo that we know today. FedEx and Fred Smith said that's the one I want and everybody couldn't figure out why and he says and his team didn't see it no one thought he says because you snuck the arrow in on me between the E and the X ah said you snuck it in on me and no one saw it but he saw it and he said that's the logo we're going with and they picked this logo well the marketing guys of federal express said yes 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 we've got to outline it and we've got to highlight it and we've got to we've got to use it and we've got to put it on vans we've got to just use the arrow at times and and the, and the marketing people said no don't do it the power's in the subtlety of it the power is that it's not there that's why it is there it's there because it's not there. It showed up because it's what they didn't put in. And they picked it. It's won 40 awards for the best corporate logo ever. It's top eight logos in the world because of what's not there. My question to you today, my question to me today is like, What's not there? Like, do you have space for God? Do you have space for the arrow? Do you have space in your life to go forward to the finish line and the goal? God, what do you need to prune from our life? What do you need to take out of our life? What do you need to, to, to define or delete out of our life? Come on, bow your heads with me. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for your word, God. I just... I thank you for the man like Paul that could count it all lost when he had everything. He had status and power and religious uh, esteem and he, and he also was angry and violent and all these things and he met Christ. And he said, I counted all as rubbish. Father, sometimes in this culture we're so photobombed and there's so many things in our picture. And I just pray for not a blurry picture today. I pray across this room that anybody that needs to define a picture or delete a picture or to get some clarity or to subtract something, every hand that's held tight around something right now, even as I've preached today, there's some people holding on to a season or holding on to a specific thing that they know it's time to let go of and put in the ground and let God grow. And But it's going to be tough or it's going to be painful. But God, I pray you'd give them the power and courage by the Holy Spirit today 
If you're in this place, no way looking around, but you say, Jamie, I, I need to define my background. I need to clarify and, and I need to get the thing in my picture more clear and give some breathing room. I need some things. I know what they are. The Holy Spirit's talking to me and I just need you to pray for me for wisdom and, the, and power and strength and, and, and his leadership to cut some things out of my picture of my life. I'm just going to surrender this. I'm just going to ask you, put your hand up to me right now. No one looking around. Pray for me, Jamie. Pray for me. Pray that I'd have Holy Spirit leadership and direction. Come on, across this room, people saying, I need uh, my picture defined. I need some things out of the background of my life. Father, you see our hands up. Lord, it's not by manipulation or by my words or me saying, don't do Facebook or give away a card. None of that. Holy Spirit, you are powerful enough. You are the great surgeon. You're the great God. You're the great leader. You're the great deliverer. You do your work in our heart. You show us. If we do it in our own strength, we can't sustain it. Holy Spirit, we ask you by your strength and your power today, cut out that negativity. Cut out that depression. Cut out that greed. Cut out that relationship. Remove the things that have tangled our hearts up today. Let us go into this fall season being pruned for fruitfulness and not tangled in all the thorns and thistles of life right now. We're believers, God, and we believe the best is yet to come. We leave here encouraged and believing the best is yet to come. Jesus, you are the best. We look to you to give us room, to give us breathing space. No one looking around right now. The last thing, one of the most important things we're here for, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you're not right with God, if you've never given the picture of your life to Jesus, the one that takes chaos and confusion and noise and photobombed lives and makes them clear and gives them purpose is Jesus. He's the only one that can. This whole planet was tangled in sin, guilt, shame. We've all been there. We still battle some of that. But Jesus went to a cross, died to remove all of sin and all of guilt and all of shame now, yesterday and forever. It's gone. And the Bible simply says this today, if you're in this place and you know you're ready to surrender, you're the picture of your life to God, like God, take my life, make the chaos of it make sense. God, let me just say this. God is a master at taking chaos and creating something beautiful. And if you're in this place and you know it's time to surrender to Jesus, the Bible says by doing that, you get a fresh start with God, not surrendering to religion or, or legalism or rules or anything like that. Surrendering to Jesus, a relationship with Jesus. And the power of the Holy Spirit would lead you to him. And that he would be your Lord and your leader. Come on, I'm going to count to three. On three, I'm going to ask you if you want to give the picture of your life to God today. I'm just going to ask you to put your hand up to me. One, two, three. Put your hand up to me right now. That's you. God bless you. Come on, God bless you. God bless you. Come on, hold it up so I can pray for you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. Come on, God bless you. God bless you, young girl. Come on, God bless you. God bless you, ma'am. Father, you see every hand that's gone up right now. We just pray together right now as a church, as a family. We open our hearts up to heaven. Come on, every hand that went up right now, God, I ask you to fill them with your presence. Take the picture of their life and begin to create something beautiful. Let them surrender fully to you. Be the Lord and the leader of their life from this day forward, God, through good and bad, through ups and downs, through everything. Let them know that you're with them. You'll never leave them. Give them a relationship with the good Father in heaven and let them know the picture of their life is in good hands. You are Jesus, you are Lord, and you are our leader. We surrender in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 amen. Come on, give God praise this morning. If you're willing to surrender like that, what a good morning. Come on, I'm over time today. I love y'all so much.